So we've been in this series called Labyrinth, and I'm not going to recap too much. Uh, You can go back and listen, but it is important just to remind ourselves before we close out this series today a few key points. First of all, there's a big difference between a maze and a labyrinth. You're like, I got it. By this point, three weeks, four weeks, I got it. So if you leave here knowing anything after this series, like, I know the difference between a maze and a labyrinth. Remember, maze, there's a lot of different exits to a maze, usually. There are different dead ends. There are wrong turns. All right? In a labyrinth, there's only one entrance, and the destination is not to get out. It's to get in. It's actually to get to the center of this labyrinth. Right? And we've been talking about how the, the maze is a world. That's what the world is. And they're like, just, you know, there's, get me out of this situation, uh, wrong turns, dead ends, I don't know how to do life, I'm messing up, maybe I'll just try this way. Maybe right will be better than left, maybe straight will be better than backwards, I don't know, I'm just going to give it a shot, oh, that's the dead end to turn around. They end up in a maze. The world is a maze. For us who know Jesus, we should be walking in a labyrinth. That might not sound as fun, but there is a huge difference between these two things. Because when we walk in a labyrinth, there's, again, only one way in. That way is Jesus Christ, one way, one truth, one life. And the goal is to not get out, but to get in. And that's what Jesus offers us when we have a personal relationship with Him, when we walk with Him. So our second week, we kind of walked with Elijah, if you remember the story of Elijah. And we talked about the things that we run from, some things that we should run from, some things we shouldn't run from, but ultimately who who we should run to. And when we are faced with a lot of problems in this world, and even on our journey in the labyrinth, if we are honest with ourselves, we don't run to the Lord. We run to seek advice from this friend, or we run to this person, or this substance, or this environment. We run to a lot of different things, if we're honest, before we run to the Lord. The Lord's like a last-ditch effort. Like, I'll try everything myself, but... All right, I guess I can... Now, when we start off by running to the Lord, everything changes. The next week we talked to... Last week we, we kind of wove through David's story a little bit as he ran from King Saul and hid in caves. And then ultimately he hid one thing he did, tried to hide it from the people, thought he was hiding it from the Lord, and ultimately learned that he could do neither one of those things. And there are some things that we, again, run from. There are things that we hide from on this journey through the labyrinth that can really hold us up from that deeper relationship, that deeper destination with Jesus Christ. And we hide from a lot of things. We hide from the enemy. We hide from the others. And sometimes we are just like David and hiding from the Lord. But when we change just one word in there, it makes all the difference. We don't, we don't need to hide from the Lord. We need to hide in the Lord. So run to the Lord, hide in the Lord, and then today we're going to end up talking a lot about some words from Paul as we close out this series on things we ignore. So things we run from, things we hide from, and then today, things we ignore. If you remember last week, we shared an absolute truth, in my opinion, that um, there is something that you've been hiding from in your journey. And we're going to share another absolute truth today. And if I ever re-preach this for who knows what, I would probably do a lot more with that because I think God has revealed some of these absolute truths to me that are still going to hit home for us this morning. So we're going to dive right in. Uh, If you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Romans chapter 7 is where we're going to be, Romans chapter 7. So um, open your Bibles or turn on the app. And if you don't have a Bible, there's some Bibles to your left. Uh, I'm sure um, someone would be happy to grab one of those for you if you don't have it all. If you don't have a Bible at all, like at all at all, 
take it home with you, write your name in it, and permanent marker is yours. Just make it disappear from here and, and use it and open it up. So Romans chapter 7, Facebook Live, turn with me there. Romans chapter 7 is where we're going to begin. And this is the words of Paul to this church in Rome. And he says something here that is probably, I think this is Paul's most transparent moment ever in anything that he's written. And Paul writes actually most of the New Testament is what we have here. And Paul's transparency shines a light into our lives this morning because if that's Paul saying these things, what is true for Paul is definitely still just as true for us. So let's see what Paul says. Verse 18, chapter 7. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. We're going to pause kind of verse by verse as we break this down today. And that may be you, because I know that's me. I've got all the desire. I've got the desire to be a better husband. I've got the desire to be a better father, a better pastor, a better friend. I've got a desire for a lot of things that you may have. But the follow-through, oh, follow-through is tough. That's probably you this morning as well, again, if you're honest. You've got a lot of desire, but the follow-through with Jesus doesn't always win. He goes on, verse 19, For I do not do, I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. There, there's an 800-pound gorilla in the room of Paul's life, is what he's saying. Now, if I do what I do not want, it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. And this is not Paul saying an excuse. This is Paul, again, calling out that in these moments where Paul finds himself waging the war that you and I all have within ourselves, he's saying in these moments, I've let sin win. It's not me doing it, it's the sin that I have let overtake in my life Walking with Jesus. I have let the maze in. I'm actually walking the maze. I have left the labyrinth, if you will. So verse 21. So I find it to be a law. I find it to be a rule, if you will, that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. And this is such an important truth for us to understand. If you're trying to get closer in the labyrinth, walking with Jesus, you can bet that you're going to be attacked. And I know a lot of people in this room and in our church that are being spiritually and physically attacked right now. That's real. It's not some made-up metaphor voodoo thing. This stuff is real. There is a spiritual warfare. There is a world that you and I do not see, but it is just as tangible. And the moment you try to take two, like one or two steps into the labyrinth, getting closer with Jesus, it'll seem like the world will come up and the enemy will come in and like hit you two or three steps back. Like, what is going on here? And Paul calls it out. So I find it to be a, a rule. I find it to be true that whenever I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. So be ready. If you're on this journey with Jesus, it's not going to be an easy one. For I delight in the law of God and my inner being. I know God. I, I love the Lord, he says. But I see in my members, in my body, in my flesh, another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of the sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am. And if you've ever asked a girl out on a date, you kind of have this feeling, stupid, stupid, stupid. You know, you just you walk away, you said the wrong thing, or, or you didn't think it went well. And on a much, much larger scale, this is true. We look in the mirror and we're like, I don't deserve anything, because I know who I am on the inside. I put up a great front for my coworkers. I put up a great front for the kids in my classroom at school, on my sports teams, in the PTA. 
But deep down, I'm like, oh. if I really look in the mirror, I don't like a lot of what I see on the inside. Wretched man that I am, Paul says, who will deliver me from this body of death that is sin? And Paul asks and then answers his own question. Thanks be to God. Who will deliver me? Thanks be to God. How can I get out of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. So he, Paul's calling out this war that exists between good and evil, between the spirit and the flesh, between the mind and the actions, right? We're going to keep going on. Chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and of death. You see, this is, we've been set free. This is the beauty of the labyrinth, not the maze. Because when you know Jesus, He gives you the access and the entry point into options and choices that the world will never have. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. You and I could not do this ourselves. We talk about that week one. We can't gain access to relationship with Jesus on our own. It's He who has made the way for us. And when we accept that, that's what starts that relationship. But by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, He condemns sin in the flesh, in order that the righteousness righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit basically this is the gospel in just two verses there it is verse five but for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the spirit now what does all that mean walking to the flesh and mind on the flesh and walking in the spirit mind of the spirit basically it what paul is saying here is if you're in the maze you are going to want more maze. But if you're in the labyrinth, if you're walking with Jesus, you should have the desire to go deeper in. That's what Jesus says, right? Deeper into relationship. Well, what is this laws of the flesh and the laws of the spirit? What does all this mean? I want you to keep your finger here. Keep your finger in there. And, and as we're going to turn over a few pages. Go to the book of Galatians. And we're going to discover this in another one of Paul's letters to the church in Galatia. All right, so Paul's writing another letter. And here he's actually going to go deeper into what he's already talked about in Romans. So keep your finger in Romans because we're coming back there. But Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 16. We're going to get to a verse here. Verse 22 is one of my favorite in the Bible. But there's a big hurdle we've got to jump over before we get there. So verse 16, Paul again writes, But I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And Paul here, he's, he's again calling out this obvious war. This obvious war that you and I have going on deep inside us. That he had going on inside of him. That he knows every other person on this earth has a war going on deep inside of us. You're either with the Spirit or you're in the flesh, in the world, in the maze. But verse 18, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. These things that we're about to read here, you are exempt from and have a way out of if you know Jesus Christ. Here we go, verse 19. 
pull up the big boy pants because it's not going to be fun. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Like Josh, that uh, first of all, that's a tough list to read through. Yeah, it is. Second of all, Paul wrote that a long time ago. And we don't really have idols today. Like, I'm not worshiping a stone idol. And I'm not going around doing crazy witchcraft stuff. And I'm good, right? I'm okay. No. This is still just as true. I'm going to go down this list. Sexual immorality. Do you know that 50% of married Christian families say pornography is a problem in their home? 50% of married Christian families say that pornography is a problem in their home. And that poll was from Focus on the Family over 10 years ago, so you know that's gone up. Do you know that 67% of men ages 18 to 26 and 50% of women 18 to 26 believe that viewing pornography is acceptable and totally cool? Yes, no? You didn't know that? I didn't know that. Okay. Maybe you knew that. And that was from a Journal of Adolescent Research in 2008. You're like, okay, sexual immorality, I get it. No, 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 you don't get it, because if you've been there, you know. And I know, because I've been there. You think, oh, Josh doesn't know what he's talking about, you know, great. No, you don't think I've had my problems? I have. This problem almost singularly ruined the first year of my marriage. But through the grace of God and God only, that's gone. And done. And there's a freedom. There's in the labyrinth that doesn't exist in the maze. I want to call that out on each one of us this morning. Impurity. Who who in here is pure? Are you pure? I know I'm not. Tyler, put your hand down. I know you're not. (laughs) No one in here is pure. And so basically, right from the beginning, Paul's saying, look, if you thought you had an out on that, there's no out on this, you know? What about sensuality? What about sensuality? Oh, I don't wrestle with that. You sure? Do a double take in the mall? Are you one of those guys that looks at the TV with the cheerleaders come on on the football games? Hey, girl. Is that you? And guys, this doesn't just apply to you, women. You are more sensual. Guys were just like, whatever, you know. But women, this applies to you ladies as well. With the heart, not as much with the eyes. All these little romance books that are, you know, filling up the libraries on these tall, twisty towers. You know what I'm talking about? He's always got the woman in this weird-looking dress and Fabio, (laughs) you know, just painted there on the cover, you know, scantily clad. You know, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> this is emotional sensuality here, ladies. Like, <laughs> 50 shades of what a color? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. All right, so we're going to keep going on. What about idolatry? You're like, I don't, I don't bow down and worship a stone idol. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. To some degree. You have social media. Most of us, yeah, you do. 
you're watching on Facebook Live, I'm sorry. You're, you're, you're in it right now. Um, but that can go way, way too far. Because, you see, when you get a like, they've done studies, scientific research, when you get a like on a Facebook post, you get this, you get this shot of dopamine. It's a drug your brain creates to make you feel good. So then what do you want? Ooh, I want another like. Ooh, I want another like. Follow me on Instagram, on Twitter. Get my handle. Take pictures of food because just like, like, like anything, right? What about TVs? You know, I think if archaeologists, if our civilization was frozen in this moment, right now, and people come along thousands of years from now and dig up our houses, they will think we worshipped television because there's one of these God idol things in every room of every house. Oh, maybe they just bowed down to it and the screen displayed magical words or, oh, right? You think, there's, you think idolatry is not an issue? Man, it's still an issue. It's just not called Baal. It's called Bravo. <laughs> what about sorcery? Anyone have fun with the astrology or zodiac? Yeah, what do you think that is? That's sorcery. And yeah, I'm going to put on my Baptist preacher boots because here I go. Anyone like Harry Potter? Fun book, right? What is this book totally about? Yeah. Magicry, wizardry, other rees, and sorcery, right? Not godly. We're clear on this, right? I'm going crazy off the deep end. This is real. And we can let that infect and ignore these problems in our life and let it get to a point to where it wasn't just a book. Now it's a series of books. And now they've made the movies of the books. And now I'm suddenly warped in. I have to go to Universal Orlando to be in this world that they have created where I can drink butter beer. Who knows? Man, it's just called caramel. Okay? So whatever that is, you know, it just wraps you in. And suddenly what was just a little bit in the beginning is just a problem. And now you can't ignore what about enmity? You're like, I don't even know what enmity means, so I'm exempt from that. I'm going to tell you what enmity means. Enmity means the state of being actively opposed or hostile to something. You think enmity is not an issue? Anyone follow politics at all in America? You think enmity is not an issue of the, the, uh, being actively opposed or hostile to something? Yeah, our country's got a major problem with that because you're either on one side or you're on the other or you're in this small little group that is just plead, like pleading for a side, right? So you're mostly one of these two groups and what the other group likes, you really, 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 really don't like. You're like, tear the statues down or leave my statues up. You're on one of these two sides and enmity is a huge issue. Not necessarily out there, but in here. What about strife? It's when anger overflows from all these things we've talked about. And you're just all wound up. What about jealousy? Wanting what someone else has. You've never wanted what anybody else had, right? Ever? Why did they get that job? I like those clothes. Why did they get the promotion? I work twice as hard. Why did they get first chair in band? When I want to be, I want to, you know, drum major. Why did they this? Why did they that? Why did they, why, why did that? Jealousy is a big issue sometimes. What about fits of anger? When you just blow up! Out of nowhere, wake up the teenagers. Yeah, you're with me, right? Yeah. I'm not talking about just being angry. I'm talking about when you just, just ultimate rage. And I had a problem with this too, guys, if you know what I'm talking about. It's like you just black out. You're like, oh, angry. You just got to break something. It's a big issue. What about rivalries, unhealthy competition? 
What about dissensions? What's dissensions? Where disagreement, simply disagreeing, becomes much, much more than disagreeing. And suddenly, living in the same house with a spouse that you're in a disagreement with becomes intolerable. That's dissension. What about divisions? Where you've created a wedge, maybe in that relationship, or another relationship, or multiple relationships, say, I'm, we're just going to separate one, and I'm done with you. Is that godly? Hitting the feels. What about envy, where jealousy goes way, way beyond and is suddenly not wanting what they have, but now being incredibly bitter that you don't have it? What about drunkenness? That's an issue, right? Where you think it's okay to go to church and know Jesus and then go out on the town and act like you don't? And trust me, again, I've been there. I went to this thing called college. And in college, there's this thing called drinking. And when you're drinking, it leads to the drunk. And I've been there, and I've done that, and I've done bleh, And it's not fun. There's nothing godly about that. There's nothing in the lab. There's nothing getting closer to a relationship with Jesus, with drunkenness. What about orgies? What about intimacy that extends beyond your spouse? And that ties back into the very first thing. And then Paul just says, and things like these. We know those things like these, right? We know the things like these. We're like, Paul, stop reminding us. I'm already uncomfortable from the first one. And now you've just added on. And man. See, none of us are exempt from this war that exists inside of us. None of us. But let's keep going on. Galatians still. Chapter 5. Paul says, I warn you as I warned before that those who do such things, like we talk about, will not inherit the kingdom of God but, but, like from our first week, what is impossible with man is possible with God. But the fruit of the Spirit, and if you're following along either here or Facebook Live, let's read this together. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. In other words, against those things we've already listed, when you're walking with Jesus, you're walking with the Spirit, Jesus always wins. Love trumps sexual immorality. Love dominates dissensions and finds a way from separation. Patience dominates fits of anger and rage. You see how this plays out, right? And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its desires and passions. You see, the labyrinth and walking with Jesus, keeping in step with the Spirit, gives you and I an option the world will never have. Never have. You see, the world does not have a choice between that first list. That's all they know. But when you and I are brought into the labyrinth through Jesus Christ, we have an option that the world does not. And it is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. Because those in the maze, those in the world, they don't know love. True, real, deep Jesus love. They don't know love. They know like. The world does not know joy. They know happy. Because I'm happy, clap your hands if you feel. It's great. It's not solving anyone's problems. The world doesn't know joy. The world knows happy. They don't know peace. They know less war. 
The world does not know patience. They know immediacy. I want it now. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Now, now, now. Mine, mine, mine. The world does not know kindness. You know this. The world does not know goodness. The world does not know faithfulness or gentleness or self-control. These are godly traits, not worldly traits. The world knows none of those things. They don't have a choice. That's what they know. Unless the but, you and I, if we know the Spirit and are walking and keeping in step in the labyrinth with Jesus Christ. See, when you and I are in this relationship with Jesus We should be acting love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But there are often things from that first list, which is too long to spit out, which we ignore and let fester way too long. And like a cancer, these things creep up and can ruin everything. There's not a small, well, this one's less bad than the other ones on that list. So now we know what the war is, and we know the virtues of the flesh, which are sexual immorality and impurity and idolatry and those things. And we know the virtues of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now let's go back to Romans and put this together. So if you had your finger there, go back, back to the same verse, Romans chapter 8, verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh, and we know what that is now, set their minds on the things of the flesh. Sexual immorality leads to more sexual immorality. Idols lead to idols, dissensions to more dissensions, jealousy to more jealousy and envy and the like, right? But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, because sin is death, and those things are sin. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. It breaks the rules, because how can those things agree with what God says? They don't. They don't coexist. Those, there are those, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Here we come to the big if. Here we come to the big if. Let's read this, verse 9 again. You, however, hopefully talking to us, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. What's this word next? What's this next word? One more time. What's this next word? If. The big if. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. If the Spirit of God actually dwells in you. In you. There's this guy you may have heard about from the Old Testament, pretty famous guy, pretty muscular guy. I like to picture him like Arnold Schwarzenegger, just big muscles, yeah. Um, but his name is Samson. You probably heard of Samson. Famous guy. Book of Judges, chapter 16. Samson, who's kind of an overseer of the people of Israel in that moment for a very brief time falls into a trap of a problem he can't ignore. And this problem has a name, and that name is Delilah. Ooh, Delilah. Thank you, Light Rock 99.3. Delilah. Samson finds Delilah, a Philistine woman, very attractive, 
And if you don't know this, Delilah's name literally translates as low-hanging fruit. In other words, it's not temptation that's hard to get out of your way. It's like, ooh, this is right here. Ooh, this is easy. I could just, I could just watch this thing. No big deal. No one knows about it. I could just do this thing. No big deal. No one knows that. Easy reach. Low-hanging fruit for Samson. And eventually, because she's a Philistine woman, ooh, you dirty, dirty Philistine woman, she wants Samson's secret to his godly power. And he eventually, he's a dum-dum, and he tells her. And the secret is his long hair. So she has a guy come in while Samson's sleeping and cuts his hair. And you can go back and read Judges chapter 16, where it says in verbatim that the Spirit of God left Samson. And you know what? Samson didn't know. Samson didn't know. You see, you and I could be doing the right things. We could be doing, saying, the, that's what a Christian should say. We could be going the places a Christian should do and all this kind of stuff, but there's a big if. Because I think a lot of Christians and a lot of churches gather every single weekend in large, wonderful buildings with laser light shows, and they don't know that God's not in the building. Because they've missed the if. And you and I have a big if to think about today because this is the only if that matters. From beginning of time to end, this if determines everything for you. Paul concludes here in verse 10, But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life. Not death, but life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, if this miracle working God power dwells in you, and Jesus always wins, sexual immorality always loses and should in you. Enviness always loses and should in you. Jealousy always loses and should in you because of not what you've done, but because of what he's done. The other side of the maze going into the labyrinth. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So that absolute truth for today. If you've been listening, you probably already know where I'm going with this. Because we've talked about the things that we run from. And we talked about the things that we hide from. And today is what? The things that we ignore. I believe the absolute truth for us today is that somewhere on your journey, wherever you find yourself in this moment in time, that there is something you have been and are ignoring on your attempt to walk in the labyrinth. On that long list that Paul gave. No one's exempt from that. There is something, maybe multiple things, that you have been ignoring and have just let creep in. You're like, oh, that's not a problem. Oh, I only play Xbox 18 hours a day. That gives me 1.25 hours to spend time with my wife. I've fallen into that trap too. Trust me, I've been there. Been there. I'm recovering Xbox. You might be there too. Brandon, I see you. I see you. We'll have an AA group. I see you. Oh, preach it. Preach it, brother. You've got your own things you're dealing with. They're not my things. My things aren't your things. But you've got something that you have been ignoring on your journey when you should have been walking with Jesus. And you've let the world just creep in just enough 
to throw everything off course. Have you guys heard this phrase, I can't even? First service had the same reaction. It was like bumps on logs or something. Anyone heard this phrase, I can't even? Oh my gosh, I can't even. I guess it's a young kid phrase. Anyone know, I can't even? I'm going to take a poll. I can't even. Oh my gosh, I can't even. I can't even. Um, it, the Urban Dictionary, <laughs> Urban Dictionary says that the user with can't even. Oh, I can't even. The user can't even comprehend what's been said or seen or done. And if you watch college football, this was a weekend of, oh, I can't even. Like, ah, I can't even. And you may have had some moments in your life where you're like, I can't, I can't even. I, I can't even. And if you're married and you're a woman, you've said this every day, I can't even. You'll get that later. Maybe that's just my home life. And you know what? There is more truth to this popular urban phrase than meets the eye. Or than meets the eye. There's more here than we like to actually think about. Because when you say, I can't even, like, I can't even deal with life. You know what? You're right. Because the world is those things. But God gives you a different option. If you say, I can't even deal with life. Yeah, you can't. Not on your own, and you know what? You were never meant to. So yeah, you can't even. You also can't even. I mean, even by like leveraging something, like even balancing things out. You know, you can't even. As we talked about the first week, you can't even. You can't leverage your way into the labyrinth. You can't gain access by your own power, by your own right, by by however many good works you do, by however many church services you show up to, by however many whatever it is. Fill in the blank. Not enough. You can't even. But Jesus can. And that's what he came to do. And then there's the last one. You can't even. I can't even comprehend all this. That's what the Urban Dictionary says. Oh, I can't even. You can't even comprehend of that. And you know what? That's just still right and true for us. Because you can't even. You know why you can't even? Because it's a freaking miracle. It's a miracle what God did in you and in me. From the maze to the labyrinth. We can't get our brains around the grace that has been extended and offered to us through the power of Jesus Christ. It's life changing. It's transformational. It was the maze, is the labyrinth, was in the world walking with Jesus. It's a miracle what God did. So yeah, I can't get my brain about it. Because I look in the mirror, and if you feel like I do, some days you're like, I don't like who I'm looking at. Because I know what's going on deep inside. You know what? God does too. And he says, you know what? I can even. I can leverage. I can come into the, those things that Paul wrote about, where you've been ignoring for a long time. And I can come in, and I can, boom, they're done. Not by you. Not by your friends, not by your job, not by your success, not by your talents, not by your good looks. I am the only one who wins over everything. Some of us this morning probably have had a can't even moment pretty recently with some of those things that maybe we've been dealing with. Like I said, my... My gut tells me this morning that there's this absolute truth that somewhere in your journey today, 
there is something on that list or a list, like Paul says it, and like these. Like you know it. Maybe you're in the like these category. But you know what it is. And you've been ignoring that for way, way too long. And Jesus is calling you today to be back in step with the Spirit. Not because you can, but because He can. To run to the Lord. To walk the narrow way through the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The way that the world cannot and does not understand. To run to the Lord, to hide in the Lord, to keep in step with the Lord. To live one-on-one with Jesus because He is the only way, the only truth, and the only life in this world. And the only promise of something after this, which is why the labyrinth is so important. Because it's not to get out, right? But it's to get in. So I want to close today just by giving you a minute, just one minute, to prayerfully sit here and what will be guaranteed to be an awkward silence and think about the big if that we talked about. Because if you're walking with the Spirit, you should be over those things. But if those things are over you, there's only one conclusion. It's a big if. So what in your journey with Christ have you been putting off or simply ignoring for way too long? I invite you to pray about that. And then we're going to close in song today.